everyone to the CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin Estates in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, July the 13th. Um, we are recording this podcast on my daughter's second birthday. If she should ever listen to this, happy birthday, Abigail. Um, I'm pretty sure that the Facebook post that I, I wrote this morning made a whole bunch of women in the greater Virginia area cry. Um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. You certainly did not tune into the podcast to hear about my kid. Um, we're going to talk about uh, UVA football, specifically the Coastal Division of the ACC. We're going to kind of do something a little bit different. I don't think we've ever done something quite like this before. What we're going to do is we're going to focus on the teams in the Coastal. There's a lot of talk around um, social media today about over-under, the number of wins. And so we're going to kind of look at schedules in the, in the Coastal and try to you know, give at least our forecast or at least our feel for what the situation looks like among the teams uh, in this half of, of the ACC. And obviously, we'll focus on the Cavaliers uh, a lot as we go forward. Uh, let's go around and introduce everybody. Everybody tonight is uh, out in Waynesboro, David Spence. Welcome back to the show, my friend. I'm in Fishersville, Brad. I know. I, re- I realize <laughs> it after I said it. I'm sorry. Okay, fine. David Spence, Who Days on the board, at Who Days on Twitter. And Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for our in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Uh, also, want to say shout-out to everybody out there for their continued conversation um, about uh, a host of topics on the board lately. For, for July, things have been really uh, bumping, and so I kind of uh, appreciate uh, not only folks who have uh, stayed level-headed, um, and, but also I understand, too, that um, you know, this is a time of year when folks can really check out. So thanks for staying engaged. It's been a lot of fun. Should be an interesting few weeks as we get closer to football season, uh, start a camp and all that fun stuff. We're going to dive into a little bit of that tonight. Um, I, I thought it would be kind of fun to, to do this. That, like I said, we have never done like a, like a Vegas heavy show, and we're not going to talk about really betting. We're, we're going to look at it, the over-unders. Uh, how many uh, wins do does Vegas think each team in the Coastal Division is going to have? And and I think that those numbers are fun. Like you can say, oh, they think Miami's going to win 73 games. That's great. Well, who they play? And I think that's the piece that you start to get some context. And I think for a lot of people, now is about the time they start looking around going, is it almost football season? And so I think this is a good kind of um, kind of primer for for kind of going into what will be the most hyped preseason for UVA football in quite a while. Um, I even told somebody the other day that, like, you know, the 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 lead up to that opener will not be a, it will not be like a, a team that was as bad as UVA has been playing playing a, a non Power Five school. I mean, it's good. Like, I expect there to be a lot of interest, um, especially locally, uh, in that game. And certainly for the Cavaliers going into the season, I think folks are really excited to see what Bronco Mendenhall and his staff will have been able to do with the team to that point. If you think about it, I mean, folks have really only seen what two practices, one 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 fully open practice. Media only, you know, we didn't get that many opportunities either. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Dave, tonight we're gonna we're gonna talk over unders, which I, I'm I'm gonna need to some help, I'm sure, on because I'm not a real bi- a big Vegas guy. I don't um, I don't I don't bet. Um, I very rarely ever pay attention to lines. Normally somebody like you will say to me, oh, you know, Virginia's a three-and-a-half-point underdog. And I'm like, okay. You know, like, because from the betting side, it's important to understand that when you talk Vegas, it's not necessarily Vegas saying this is going to happen. It's Vegas saying this is the number that we need to put out there so that money comes in either way. Um, 
And so that's kind of their agenda is not to pick games. Like they're not prognosticators. They are odds makers. And I think that's important to note before we get into the ins and outs of this. Let's start. Um, let's start with the uh, Duke Blue Devils. Um, Duke is coming off of an uh, of of a weird bit, bit of a weird year. I, I would say, considering um, one, their schedule generally not that tough. Um, in 2015, they, <laughs> they played Tulane, uh, North Carolina Central. Uh, they played Northwestern. Um, they lost. Then they played Georgia Tech and BC. They get they got a game at Army, and they had an open date before they beat Tech in triple overtime, or excuse me, quadruple overtime, uh, and then proceeded to lose uh, five of their last six. Um, I guess for me, Dave, the, the question about Duke is all about uh, the quarterback and the offensive line. They've had a lot of injuries. Uh, they're obviously going to have to break in uh, a new signal caller. Um, what, what, what's your, before we get into the actual over under, what's your general feel on Duke these days? What do you, what do you, what, what's your gut tell you on, on Duke? And let's be honest and whether, and whether Virginia could beat them. I mean, my gut with Duke is they're kind of in that, I mean, it's not exactly similar to where we are in basketball, but they're kind of between a couple of classes that made them really successful. Um, and it's now it's, you know, they've, they've had some better recruiting classes, but they're still not tearing it up on the trail. And this team is going to be led by guys who weren't exactly huge parts of their success the last few years. So it's an interesting time for them. Um, they're a tough team to get a read on. Uh, the Just the injuries and, and changes to their roster. Um, you know, and, but, you know, Cutcliffe has proven he can, he can win. It's, you know, Duke also now kind of doesn't have the reputation as a, a team you don't need to prepare for. So there's, you know, I think you start to see some of that. Last year, even you know, teams don't take Duke like Duke lightly anymore. Um, right. That said, they're you know they're a team that's not going to overwhelm you with physical talent. Um, they're not, they're not going to out talent you. They're going to out scheme you and out coach you. We don't need to say what how, how that applies to old staff versus new one, <laughs> but you know it, it's certainly something that gave the old staff a lot of trouble. Right. Uh, I look at it from the standpoint of this is a team that uh, a program that went that the team went eight and five <clears> last year, but they were four and four in the ACC. They did kind of, you know, make the most of their their out of conference. So they lost to Northwestern. They got three other wins. I think they gave up a combined ten points uh, across those three games. If I'm looking at this correctly, so it does seem like to me that 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 Duke going into this season is in a similar position because they're going to get North Carolina Central again. They're going to get Northwestern again. Uh, the change is they're going to get Army again. The change is <laughs> they tra- they <laughs> they traded. Uh, Tulane for Notre Dame, <laughs> which has to be one of the most oh man kind of switches in in schedules in a while. But they open the season um, with North yeah. Carolina Central. They're going to play Wake um, uh, at home before they go to Northwestern and to um, uh, Notre Dame. They get Virginia on October the first uh, in Durham. Um, what's the over under on, on the Blue Devils in 2016? Uh, between five and a half. Well, let's call it five and a half. Couple books have them at five. One's got them at six. One's got them at five and a half. We'll call it five and a half. Okay, five and a half wins. Okay, Wake Forest. Uh, they play at Louisville, at Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, at Pitt, at Miami. I'm sorry, I don't see five and a half wins in there. It's it's tough. It's tough. I mean, mainly because one, all right, they're in a weird. You're right. They're in a very weird spot, right? Because they've got they've got like this cool these two trains, right? They've got the hey, we have to transition. 
train, right, between, like, older veteran guys and younger guys. But they have also recruited better. I mean, I'm pretty sure that this past class was probably Cutcliffe's best. Um, but, I mean, like, you know, even, like, even that Wake Forest game. Like, I, I, I think they win that game. I don't know what Wake Forest is going to have because, honestly, I, Wake Forest might as well be in the SEC East for as many times as I cover their football team. But it seems like to me, like, Duke has is, is got to figure it out in a hurry. Maybe those are two, two, two good teams. But Northwestern and at, at Northwestern, at Notre Dame, they're going to take their lumps. Um, I think that Virginia game, even though it's in, in Wallace Wade, I think that could be a very interesting game for the Cavaliers. Um, but, man, at Louisville, at Georgia Tech, they got to play t- – they got to play Tech and Carolina at home before they go to Pittsburgh and to Miami to close out the year. I I don't see five, man. Um, yeah, it's tough. I, I mean, it's got to just looking at the as we'll talk about the numbers for the other teams. You know, based on what Vegas is saying, it's probably going to come down to the Wake Forest and Virginia game. But even yeah. those two, even if you give them those two, it's hard to find five and a half. Yeah, that's. I'm going to have to say that say, we're going to have to take the under on that one. I I just don't see it. Um, let's go. Georgia Tech next. And Georgia Tech, again, in a very weird position. You feel like they should be improved, right? I mean, it just kind of feels like that. Um, you think they just should be improved. Um, I mean, this is a team that lost to Virginia last season. Uh, another, t- yeah, I mean, I know Duke did too, but um, <sighs> last year in the out of conference, they had Alcorn State, Port Tulane. Um, they had, um, man, Georgia, obviously. Uh, and and they played at Notre Dame last year. I really wish we just start calling Notre Dame a conference game. Anyway, so in, 20, in 2016, uh, Georgia Tech is going to open the year at Boston College. Then they're going to play Mercer, Vanderbilt, and their other out-of-conference game is Georgia Southern. Um, what's the over-under on the, on the Yellow Jackets? They are six and a half. Ooh, six and a half. Boston College, Mercer. Vanderbilt. Yeah, the Boston College game is in Ireland. For, for oh, that's right. Know. Yes, it's a, it's in Dublin. That's right. At like seven thirty in the morning. Whew. Um, kind of wake up early for that one. Um, okay. Well, I think in the Irish in the game in Ireland, you kind of have to say who, <laughs> yeah. who knows. They just picked. Oh, I think we talked about this one, before. They just two, took the gold helmets and said, "Send them to Ireland." Three, four. Yeah, I don't think I'm getting to six and a half. Mercer. Uh, let's say they let's give them the benefit of the doubt and say Derek Mason doesn't know what he's doing at Vanderbilt. Okay, Mercer, Vandy, Georgia Southern, right? All right, Duke. They get Duke at home late in in October, but they got to go to Carolina. They got to go to Blacksburg. They play. They do play UVA later in the year, but they play UVA in November. Which I'm I'm be honest. I think one thing Virginia fans can look forward to, even if this season doesn't necessarily, it probably will have some peaks and valleys. But I think one thing you're going to get used to with Broncos, I, I, I'm, I think one thing you're going to get used to, they're going to get better as the year goes on. So I think in the past it was like, oh man, you hit that mid-October mark and you knew Virginia football was going to start, you know, coming back to earth a little bit, even if they weren't already underneath earth. Um, but you, but I think with Broncos, like I just feel like they're going to start to get better. Um, Big asterisks if they stay healthy on the. On well, that's the true. I mean, that's yeah, that's something we're going to get into when we get to them. I have a problem getting to that six and a half. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I, I'm not exactly familiar with what their quarterback situation is going to be this year. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, their defense has not been very good, as, as we've seen in the loss last year to, to UVA. Um, 
I don't want to get Virginia centric. You know, I kind of like the the defensive scheme we have coming, um, going against their offense. I, I just six and a half seems like a big well, they, number. I to will me. say this: I think quarterback is probably one of the things that they're probably really comfortable at because they do have Justin Thomas back. Okay, they do, um, have uh, which which should be a, a big boost to them. Um, I, I just think that the, the the offense just hit hit. It, it was just not in in sync last year. I feel like. Um, consistently enough, and but I do think that the fact that he's back gives him a big boost. Um, but I still I still have a problem with that with that number. Um, Miami is the next one on the list. What's Miami's over under, Dave? Uh, see this, they're all over the place. Let me pull up one more that I had earlier. I saw them as high as eight this morning, but I want to confirm that. You know what's crazy? Another is place has they them went, as low as they went eight six. and five, and their coach got fired. <laughs> it just yeah. blows me away. I want to confirm it. To, yeah, Westgate has them at eight. The other books have them around six and a half or okay. seven. So, all right. So they got Bethune Cookman, but they are the favorites in the coastal by the books. By the books, okay. Bethune Cookman, Florida Atlantic, Nebraska, and Cincinnati—all four to open the year with an open date uh, in between the third and fourth game. Um, I'm gonna tell you what—they have to play the entire ACC slate in a row. Oh, you know what I just did? I screwed up. I just read the 2015 schedule. My bad. Pretend like that didn't happen, folks. Um, okay, so in 2016, Florida A&M, Florida Atlantic, App State, an open date, and then they get Georgia Tech. They do play at Notre Dame later in um, in October. All right, so that's three wins to open the do, – do you give them Appy State? I kind of give them Appy State. App State's going to be pretty good. But, <sighs> but see, that's always my Miami problem. Miami should be with confidence by that point. New coach, 2-0. Yeah, that's the thing – when you have a new coach, everything you think you know seems like it just – I mean, look, talent-wise, like Miami always had talent, like crazy good talent, like talent that we sh- you should be able to win with talent. Now you have a, co- a competent coaching staff, right? But then you look at it and you think, well, Mark Rick, like what was the problem in Georgia, right? Like you were getting talent there too. So I kind of – I can understand where some folks are kind of pessimistic about it. I can also understand why some folks are like, you know what? Here's a really good coach who fits this school, who understands it better, uh, all that mumbo-jumbo. But, look, you still got to play Florida State, Carolina. They got to play at Tech. They got to play at Notre Dame. They get Pitt at home. They got to go to Charlottesville and to Raleigh to play NC State before they close the season uh, at home against Duke. Um, seven, three, four, five, six. I maybe get to seven. Those last three games are not exactly hard. Um, even though one, even though two of them are on the road, um, I don't know. I, I, I we've said under a lot so far. Yeah, somebody's <laughs> got to go over. I, I think well, it depends on which number we're paying attention to, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I like Miami around that seven, seven and I mean, a half. I think Brad Kai is going to be really good. You know, yeah, uh, he's still in school, right? I'm just kidding. Um, man, I can't believe I read from the wrong damn schedule. That really bugs me. All right, let's let's go to the te- the Tar Heels. Carolina seems like a team that every year. I think we said this in the f- podcast a few weeks ago. I feel like every year we all say like, "Yep, this is going to be the year," and then a whole bunch of people say, "Nope, no, it's not." And then sometimes it is, and sometimes it's not. Uh, last season, uh, the Fighting Fedoras uh, finished the year uh, with a loss to Baylor in the Russell Athletic Bowl, but they played in the ACC championship game against Clemson. Um, finished the year eleven and three. They do not return Marquise Williams. 
they do return a lot of talent, and they have definitely been recruited at a high level. I'm always iffy about teams that have to replace a quarterback with a guy who sometimes played, and maybe that's because I cover UVA for a living. Um, because generally speaking, like that dude just never seems to like live up to what you thought he should live up to. This year, Carolina opens a year with Georgia. Woo! And that's going to be a good Georgia team. Don't get me wrong. Uh, they got to go to Illinois. They get the my my fighting James Madison Dukes, bright and lights. Um, and their other out of conference game is uh, later in the year against the Citadel. They play the Citadel in November. That's just wrong. That's SEC like. <laughs> uh, then they close the year obviously with NC State. So what's the over under on the heels? Well, see, they're kind of. I guess I should have called Miami a co favorite. Heels are right around that eight eight and a half. Eight so. and a half. Yeah. Jesus. One, two, three. By a couple books. Four, five, six, seven. I can get them to seven, maybe eight. But they still have to play Florida State. Um, I I guess part of this is like because you're running up against your divisions, right? So you're running up against many of the same teams. I honestly have no clue at this point what to expect out of Virginia Tech and Virginia. Just no clue. Just none. I mean, win three games, win eight. I don't know. Um, tune in for our for our preseason <laughs> podcast. Uh, we're so accurate before. Yeah, we we've been uh, spoiler alert. Ferber's totally going to be right because he's going to be the most uh, he's going to be the modest of one of the group. I mean, I feel like okay, I feel like Tech is going to be peaks and valleys just like UVA, and I can see a team like Carolina, which has a lot of talent, being better against a team whose defense struggles. So the question is going to be. Can Bud Foster's defense be pretty good? Can Broncos' defense be pretty good? Uh, Pat and Arduzzi, into September, they get they get pit at home. I feel like Carolina can win that game. But, again, it's tough without knowing what their quarterback situation is going to be like. I mean, I know who it's going to be. But then again, like, you just don't know what you're going to get out of him. So I'm I'm going to go under for now. Um, and Mitch Dabrowski can, you know, send a, a bag of dog poop to my, my house. Um what about you? What are you feeling? Yeah, I, I think they're right around that eight number. Um, I mean, if I had to put, I wouldn't put on. <laughs> that's one I wouldn't bet on. Let's put it that way. Are there any in I mean, here you would? Carolina bet could go ten. Um, I mean, I don't think they're going to beat Georgia or Florida State, but I don't. There's also no reason they can't beat all the other ten teams on their schedule. So the next one on the list is Pittsburgh, which is totally doing the. Um, the UVA, the the old UVA, like, hey, let's make the schedule really tough. All right, so they opened the season uh, that last year. Um, they had Youngstown State, Akron, Iowa, and then uh, Notre Dame uh, later in the year. This season, and of course they they uh, lost the Navy uh, in the Military Bowl. Uh, this season, the Panthers, who will have uh, James, what Conrad. was their final record last year before you roll off? Um, they finished the year eight and five, six eight and two five. in the okay. league. Um, they opened the year this year with Villanova. Then they get Penn State, which they're bringing back the Penn State game, which I think is going to be awesome. Um, they go to Oklahoma State, and then they have Marshall uh, in the first week of October. Um, so you have like your your FCS team, your and then your 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 kind of really good potential you know team in Penn State, whatever. And then you got to go this random like road game in the middle of nowhere compared to like where you are, uh, and then random other game that you really have to win in order to make it right. What's Pitt's uh, over under this season for wins? What do you think? What do I think? 
six and yeah, six? Six. Seven to seven and a half. Seven and a half, huh? One, two. Seven's the most common number, but three, there's a seven and a half. Three, four, five. I can get them to six because they play at Miami, at Clemson to start November. Then they get Duke at home and Syracuse at home. So at least they do close with two very winnable games. But, I mean, there's a three-game stretch coming off of their bye week where they play Tech at home, at Miami, at Clemson. I mean, they could lose all three of those. But, again, yeah. I, I just don't have any idea what to expect out of UVA and Tech. And so that's going to – that's really – for this exercise, it's really starting to mess with my uh, ability to, <laughs> to forecast things. Um, I think i got to go under. You know, it's also I want to rephrase. Uh, earlier, we said you said we were picking a lot of over unders, and I was like, yeah, but you know what? At a conference, kind of levels that out. Like, I don't think Pitt's going to beat Oklahoma State, and honestly, I don't know if they're going to beat Penn State. Um, I could be wrong. I mean, it happens. Never. Um, <laughs> all right, we'll, we'll skip UVA and, and do the who's last. Let's let's go to Virginia Tech in uh, 2015, the Fighting Gobblers. How many people just really threw up in their mouths? Um, Open with Ohio State. Then they had the Paladins of Mighty Furman. They played at Purdue, and then they lost to ECU. Uh, um, it's, it's a close out there, uh, non-conference slate. They finished the year seven and six after uh, beating Tulane. Excuse me, Tulsa in the uh, Camping World Independence Bowl. Uh, this season, the Hokies. I, I'm going to say something that I don't think gets said very often on a UVA podcast, but they, they got kind of a tough schedule. They open – you know, I always think that the Bristol game is the opener, but it's not. It's the next week. But anyway, they yeah. open with Liberty. Liberty could totally could totally beat them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. They open with Liberty. Then they get Tennessee and Bristol. They got BC. They get ECU again, which is just not the same, let's be honest. It's not the same. But they got to go to Notre Dame at the end of the year to close out their non-conference portion of the schedule uh, before closing out the year in Blacksburg against UVA. What's the over-under on the Hokies this year? Six, six and a half. Hmm, can I get them to six? One, two. I don't think they're beating Tennessee. I do think they're going to beat uh, East Carolina. Uh, Tennessee is one of the few teams in the country with a double-digit over-under. Interesting. Uh, yeah. One, two, three, four, five. Six, seven if they beat UVA. I got Liberty, Boston College, ECU, Syracuse. One of, probably two of, Miami, Pitt, Duke. Um, and then obviously lost to Notre Dame before they close the year. What do you What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I mean, very similar to Virginia. I think if Tech gets off to a decent start, if they can somehow manage to beat Tennessee, I think they could well go a couple games over. Um, I, there's a very interesting dynamic there. I mean, I think they're a team if, if they, they struggle. I mean, the fans, look, they're, they're expecting an immediate turnaround. This offense to be great. They're tired of watching what they've watched. Um, so, I don't know. It's I hate to cop out and say a lot of oh, things starts early in the season. But you're going to cop out. I mean, if you had to, I think Tennessee is going to handle them pretty easily in front of a very pro Tennessee crowd at Bristol. Be a lot of people, um, and put a lot of points on them, which is going to start an interesting fracture amongst the coaching staff at some point. We've now entered the place where Dave's um, 
his what he thinks is going to happen, his merge with his um, his hopes, his hopes, hopes and, and so, dreams. So his, <laughs> everything is tainted. Everything is tainted because like part of him is like, yeah, this is probably going to happen. The other part of him is like, please let this happen. Please let this happen. Well, like everything we wanted for, to happen to Virginia Tech. Well, not, we. I don't mean you, Brad, because you're an impartial. That's right. Podcast Absolutely. We as in me and everybody everyone else. Everyone else. Pulls for UVA. Got it. Um, I mean, literally everything you wanted to happen to Tech the last few years has, except for the. Yeah. The bottom falling out? <laughs> yeah, except for them losing to Virginia. Um, yeah, like I said, the lost. bottom falling out. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I Like I said, I kind of – I like f- around the six – I think they get to a bowl. I'd say seven and five. The thing that, the thing that I struggle with with Fuente, is, is he a very good coach who saw talent and maximized it, it, it with the quarterback at Memphis, right? Or is he a guy who has a scheme that happened to hit it right at the right time because he found a diamond in the rough that a bunch of schools missed on. To me, that is a question that will be answered over the next three years. The weird part about tech to me continues to be the fact that they basically, they have like this whole like quote unquote new thing, right? There's Fuente and there's offense, blah, blah, blah. But then at the same time, like there's so much like there's a tradition thing. It'd be like, it'd be like if you, if you, if you kept Mickey Andrews on, and hired a new head coach to replace Bobby Bowden, right? So all of a sudden you were going to get rid of the dag gum and and have like new and flashy and young and hip, you know? Like oh man, we got the spread offense, but then you still ran the same defense you've been running since the beginning of time, you know? And then like at the same time, like there's so much change around Blacksburg, like in across multiple um, multiple programs um, throughout the throughout the athletic department. If you think about like the ads changed. People who work at the in the athletic department office that's changed. You know, new basketball coaches. You know, whatever. A lot of that stuff eventually it, it eventually evens out, right? But will it even out now? I think that's the problem that the Hokies have this season because they don't have a clear guy ready to take the reins, right? I mean, there's so many questions about quarterback, and like in that system. Like even more so than just normal way college works, they have to hit. They have to hit that right, and it probably will take them a little bit of time. And I also don't know how good Tech's defense is going to be early in the year, right? Like, yeah, they're going to beat Liberty, but like when they get like, I think you're kind of probably on the right track there. They get they get housed by Tennessee, and 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 there's so much air that goes out of the balloon. Like, where do they go from there? And and if they don't play well. If they don't turn it around, which historically that's what Tech's done, right? They they get better as the season wears on. If they can't turn it around, what happens? Like that whole dynamic of like you've changed but you haven't changed, and now all of a sudden they're like, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to look at it and say, you know what, you got fall guys just like like waiting in the wings. You know what I mean? Like it just seems it's just weird. Like like you can't like not you can't like half break up with a girl. You know, like you got to like do it. It has to be complete. So I just I'm 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 I mean I think Tech probably is the more most interesting team in the league in a lot of ways. Um, I, not to say like, you know how good Clemson's going to be or how good Florida. I mean I'm not trying to, not trying to get away from that. I mean obviously those teams are are primed for huge seasons. But like I just think that from in terms of like watching from afar, it's going to be fun for me. Um, let's let's look at the who's. Uh, I, I I love the, I love the. <laughs> The way the schedule is kind of all of a sudden the air has gone out of it, right? 
Um, they do have to go to Oregon, but they get Richmond. They get a game at UConn, um, and they get a game against uh, Central Michigan in September. Um, I'm not even going to go over last year because we can all just agree it was pretty bad in several spots, um, especially if you ran a message board. Okay, but eventually change did happen, so I think a lot of what we saw last year, you have to take the you have to take the approach this year that that there will be differences. I think one of the things that you and I made the mistake of every year with the previous with the previous regime was we would go in that preseason podcast and we would assume, hey, you know what, things are going to change. There's going to be some 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 development. We it never came. Um, I think you have to look at this and say. There's such a dramatic shift, right, in, like, what's happening. That like, some things that things are going to have to be different. Now, how are they going to be different? That's the question. What's the overrunner on the Who's? Four and a half? Four and a half to five, yeah. All right, Richmond, not going to win that game at Oregon. Uh, Central Michigan, Duke, Pitt, Carolina, Louisville. They get Wake Forest this year in Winston-Salem. Um, Miami, then in – Blacksburg to I mean excuse me in Atlanta and in Blacksburg to close the year I can get six um the question to me and Ferber who is not on the podcast because what is he doing he's playing softball softball yeah thanks Ferber um Luke Bryan Bryan joke yeah (laughs) okay um Ferber made a really good point like Virginia has yet to to like win a row game when's the last time we won a row game I don't think I had kids. Uh, wow. <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, <laughs> um, I just feel like Ferber's right, that they're going to have to show, like that game at UConn is actually a big game. You know, that game in, in, in Winston-Salem, that's a, like, that's a difference between going to a ball game and not going to a ball game. I think two things are overarching for me, and then, and then I'll, I'll let you take the floor. One is that Bronco has done a lot with – Maybe some talent that wasn't necessarily as good as maybe his record would indicate or his consistency would indicate. His talent level on the other side of the field is going to consistently take a step up, right? Because as you're an independent, you don't play week to you know the the teams he's going to play week to week are going to be better, even in the coastal. The other thing is is that we still don't know the quarterback situation, and I understand that this is a staff that's shown that it will cater its offense to its quarterback but until we know who the quarterback is and it's because we don't know who what the offense is going to look like until we know who the quarterback is we have a general idea right they're going to throw the ball around a little bit more than we're used to seeing they're going to actually do something with us with a read option uh at times they're going to they're going to run the quarterback um and they're going to and they're going to have a lot of tempo but until we know who the quarterback is we don't know what it's going to look like and for me that's the part that that is the biggest question mark, because I feel like the defense has talent. The defense is not deep, and the defense can be pretty pretty solid as long as they can stay healthy. So now you you've you've taken two major question marks, right? Quarterback and depth on defense. I think they have talent on offense. They have I think the best uh, all purpose combo in the league between Mizell and Zacchaeus. Nobody is going to be able to match you up. Uh, better than those two, than the Virginia camp with those two guys. And now that they have an offensive staff that seems to have some idea of what to do with guys in space or how to get guys in space, I feel like you can do a lot with those weapons. And, and the talent, I think, is pretty strong at wide receiver. Not like Clemson, Florida State strong, but still strong. So I kind of feel like 
in a lot of ways, Virginia has two big question marks that we just can't answer. And so, do I think they can go to a bowl game? Absolutely. Do I think? Do I, can I? Can I bet on it? Can I? Can I forecast it? It's tough. And so, when we get to that preseason podcast, I'm gonna have I'm gonna struggle because, I mean, some of these games make sense, but then I talk myself out of it. I don't know, man. What do you? What? 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 What about you? What? Are you, what are you feeling? At least as of now, going uh, going into the season. Well, I mean, it's a couple different things. I mean, if you look at it from purely an over under standpoint, um, there was uh, I know I mentioned it to you, but there is a really good podcast that happened to stumble across today. Um, two Vegas guys just talking about Virginia football. Interesting enough, for twenty minutes. Um, and a couple of points they made. So, you know, I saw the four and a half to five number and got a little surprised because, you know, I don't think it's a horrible number because we're all hoping for that six and six. So it's not that far off. But one of the things they said was Virginia was one of the most undervalued teams by Vegas last year. Um, Virginia was four and eight last year, but eight and four against the spread, like one of the biggest differences in the country. Um, Finished won the last or six and zero against the spread in the final six games last year, um, seven and one in the final eight. So it says a couple of things. It, it says that just based on a pure talent level, Virginia is not that far away from being a you know a bowl team. Now that's not saying much these days, but when you haven't been there in a while, it is. Um, so you know if you add better coaching, better schemes, a plan. And let's say, you know, the defense should not be any worse than it was last year. Um, and I, I don't mean to say that the, the defense was bad last year. I'm just saying the, the key pieces that made the defense what it was last year, most of them are back. So we shouldn't see too much of a fall off with the de- defense except for some issues with depth. Um, certainly a coaching staff that is, you know, the head coach has got a pedigree in defense. Um and I think we can all agree we'll we'll see better play from our, our defensive backs, which in today's game will mean a lot for the defense. Um, so if the defense is where it is, um, we were 6-0 and down the spread last year, again, with a offense that we fully expect to be better this year. Um, not, not that you're jumping over a high hurdle. So it's certainly the same question marks we've had year in and year out. Just it seems to have – we have – someone in place who's got a plan to fix it, whether or not he's got all the pieces to fix it in year one is I think something I hate to play the wait and see card, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, yeah, I think, you know, the quarterback being number one position, he even mentioned it. What was it last week? He named that the most mismanaged position on the team with a you know lack of not only with regards to who was playing, but ex, uh, a plan for succession each year. Um, and, you know, that's not something that's going to be fixed with one recruiting class when you've got, you know, two seniors in it and a junior basically competing for, as far as that, um, eligibility, competing for the starting job this year. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's a lot, a lot of moving pieces. and Hopefully we'll see some fall practice, and the fall practice will actually have some game planning in it so we can kind of see where they're going. There's so many questions here. I mean, Bronco seems to talk like a guy who, who who wants a dual threat quarterback, but you know, Robert and I has has got a background doing both. So it's you know, the air raid, you know, 
being ground and pound and throwing the ball. So right. it's it's going to be a lot to see. Um, I think that you mentioned quarterback. I, I kind of feel like Ben Kirk br- brings both to the table in the sense that he can run, but he also has a – I think he's a really good passer with with pretty good accuracy and, and obviously a big arm. I just kind of think that Virginia's talent level offensively, like you can do a lot when you've got Taquan Mizell and Alameda Zacchaeus, and you're surrounding them with guys like whether it's uh, Lavroni, um, Dowling, um, the young kids, you know, if it's Reed, Dubois, however, um, Warren Kraft, for example, I, I think you're probably going to see some good things from, especially depending on how, you know, whether Dowling's a full go or not. Um, I just think that there are a lot of weapons that they can use. Not to, not the least of which is the fact that both Mazel and Zacchaeus are excellent receivers, but basically running backs. And so if, if you don't think Robert and I and is, is, is in the lab trying to figure out interesting ways to use those two guys off of each other. I, I, I just kind of think that there's a lot of potential there. Yeah. And past- on that, I mean, when the offense was explosive last year, most of those plays involved getting, you know, OZ or, or smoke in space. And right, right. seeing the previous staff have a very hard time coming up with ways to do that. A lot of it had to do with the jet motion. Um, and we're going into an offense. This whole scheme is that. Um, now, I can't remember a particular play we ran all of last year where you managed to get both of those guys one-on-one in space with an option of which one to go to. Um, so, you know, that's encouraging. That's for sure. And the other thing I would I would say, too, is that I don't want us to just kind of gloss over the tempo thing because – that's going to be dramatic in a lot of ways. Um, one of the one of the interesting pieces of playing in your conference teams is that these these teams see you every year. They prepare for you every year. They have a sense of who you are uh, co- continually, right? When you change coaches and you make a dramatic shift, as Virginia's made, at least in terms of its offense. I mean, defensively, I think Johnson Noodle, when he's got you know when he's got pieces that fit what he wants to do, he's 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 pretty good. Uh, defensively. He the last couple of years, I think, had pieces that didn't fit what he wanted to do, and so either he didn't really focus on those pieces, at least from the outside, is what it seemed like. He didn't focus on how to make those pieces better. He just tried to like make sure that that square peg fit in that round hole, and he kept jamming the thing in there. What Bronco and his folks defensively seem to do is they they will do exactly what we said about on eye right? They'll they'll cater the defense to what the skill set is, and so you know depth is going to be a problem. You know it's going to be a concern all year. Um, but there's talent there. Offensively, there's talent there. So there's a lot of potential um, for the Cavaliers to do some some to be better in a variety of ways. And but they're also going to have they're just going to play at a tempo that nobody else really in the league. I mean, do you know? I mean, I guess Carolina is probably as close as it gets, right, to what they want to do. But I, I think even that that's not. I mean, they want to be faster than that. At least that's my kind of read of it. Would Would you agree with that? That Carolina is really the only other team in the league that does tempo yeah. and uses it the way that Virginia is going to use it. Yeah, I mean Clemson to some extent, but um, Carolina would be the closest, I think. Like I never, I always get the feeling Clemson's good at like getting guy, get, like they're big on explosive plays, but I never get the sense that like they want to run a play as fast as they can. Um, I mean, I know that they do a lot with it, but I just didn't. I don't know. I just kind of feel like that's an element to this this whole piece of the thing. Like if you're if you're David Cutcliffe and your folks have, which by the way, lots of staff turnover at Duke. I forgot to mention that earlier. Um, if you're if you're David Cutcliffe and you have 
you know, you've you've scouted the the Cavaliers for for years. You know who they're going to be, right? I mean, that's different. Um, what's interesting about this is that like they're like all right. So you get you've got Louisville, who I think is going to be really talented, probably yeah. nine uh, to ten games per Vegas. Yeah, yeah, they're going to be pretty good. They just play in the wrong division for them. But then you get Wake Forest that they 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 so rarely play. That I mean, I don't I don't know if it really matters. Um, you know, you've got you you've got the game at UConn. You get Central Michigan, um, and then you're going to end the year, you know, in Atlanta and Blacksburg. One thing I think that 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 we we can't miss sight of is like the tempo thing could be a huge boost for them because it really does give the the offense a, a huge advantage in the sense that you're making the defense quickly match up with you and this is a this is a division that's not going to have a lot of great defenses you know um maybe Pitt will be pretty good I, I'm not real real sure like what the you know uh, other than maybe tech which has kind of been the 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 bell cow for it what other what other team in the league in, in that side of the league is is going to be that nasty defensively so I, I I just think that there there there's a lot of potential there and in past years like I said before we expected development we just thought something will be different. We know something's going to be different this year. The question is what it is and, and to what degree. And so I kind of feel like Cavaliers are, are right there on the cusp of, of a bowl team. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they won seven. I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, only won five. I mean, I think they're right there. Uh, the schedule certainly allows for it. But, you know, like I gave Ferber that, those props earlier, he's, he made a good point. You know, they got to win a couple road games. They got to they got to get – I mean, I think – it's imper- if they want to go to a bowl game, it's imperative to win in uh, at UConn and and at Wake. I, I just think that they have to do that. Um, but I, the good thing about this season, like I said before, is that there's a lot of excitement. Um, I'm I'm interested to see what that potentially can do for the team because it's hard to lose a lot, and this team lost a lot. Um, it is going to be years. different. I've, I've said this before. I apologize, but. I talk about this quite frequently with other people. Um, I do know other people. The uh, just the whole fan experience is going to be different. You know, it's just the last. Oh yeah, that's true. Years, what's the what's like, the date? What's the game day going to look like? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's been so negative. Yeah. Um, and then you, you think about felt the like offense. You commiserated when you went to games. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you figure thirty seconds at least between plays. Sometimes fifty to sixty, depending on how many flags they needed. Right. Um, I mean, every play was like time for. Joe Blow next to you to discuss why it was why it was another horrible call about and how the staff needed to go or why that call should be one they call more often instead of the horrible ones they called before. Like, what are you going to do when there's no, no time there to discuss the play? You're like, oh, good run. Like, heads to the field. You know, it's going to be at least a lot less time for uh, for me to have to listen to stuff that drives me crazy during the game. I like to be the one talking, not listening during the games. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that that podcast also said you know that uh, I think his name is Rob Vino, um, a guy who makes his living in Vegas. Uh, you know, he mentioned Virginia was very much what they would call a, a read and react team. That there was talent there, but just the the size of the schematic changes being made. Um, you know, when you're when you're going from a four three to a three four, um, and going to an offense that even though you know it's going to be fast and go, you don't still don't know if it's going to be air happy or more, you know, ground game happy or balanced that, you know, he wouldn't be surprised to see 
you know, Virginia, the over-unders on, on Virginia change as the season gets closer and, you know, Virginia be early dog in some games that later on will look like it was no reason for them to be an underdog on just because there's so many unknowns. Um, and, you know, so the good news is even even those who make a living trying to figure this stuff out still can't quite figure it out. <laughs> I think this dude was just uh, – he just knew you were going to be listening and so he just he just tossing you all the uh, – all the hope fodder. Um, I think that's a, a good place to kind of put a pin in it. Um, should be, like I said, an interesting run up to fall camp. Uh, Cavaliers will open uh, in less than a month. Um, it'll be here before we know it because uh, we're already into the middle of July. Um, so just hang on tight a little bit longer. Um, <laughs> yeah, great little snippet on Virginia football today. I don't know if you saw it. It's like thirty seconds of uh, the the new guys. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing up downs. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because I talked to uh, to to Joey Blunt for a uh, for a story this afternoon or this evening, and he was telling you know he's really tight with Jordan Mack, and so I was asking, it's like, so you know, what's the word? What's 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 you know how hard is it? Because I saw these videos and it looks uh, looks like guys might be struggling a little bit, and he he hadn't heard from Jordan about that specifically. He just said that you know that the general's consensus was is that yeah, this is no joke. Um, but yeah, that, that, that piece is going to be interesting too. Like how quickly these guys can adjust. Um, cause you know, the other guys have had months. I mean, I guess it's just like any other, you know, freshman transition. You got to do it quickly. Um, and all, completely on the fly, but yeah, it, 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 it'll be here before we know it. Um, Bronco and both Jackson Mateo, as well as, um, Micah Kaiser will be in uh, Charlotte next Thursday for the ACC's annual, uh, media event. Um, they changed things up, thank God, this year where instead of having coaches one day and players the next day, they, they're doing by division this year. So we get player and coach the same day, players and coach the same day. So um, that that will make things a lot easier for those of us who really didn't want to have to pay for a hotel room uh, at the Westin in Charlotte. So that will be next Thursday. I mean, look, by the time we get to ACC Media Day, I mean, the season is literally right around the corner. So – um, hang in there a little bit longer. Thanks, everybody out there, for for giving us a uh, listen. Thanks for your support over the course of this offseason as well as throughout uh, for the podcast. Um, really appreciate all of you out there who uh, continue to, to to listen to us um, apparently make really bad, incorrect <laughs> preseason <laughs> predictions, um, which, hey, that'll be here soon. So thanks again for all of your support, and again, thanks for today for being on the show. Hopefully, Ferber's softball game will not um, conflict with the the next edition of the of the podcast. But uh, for David Spence, I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CastCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. <laughs>